You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad. And, uh, while we're talking mainly this week about the Toronto Irish Film Festival, there's another event happening a little bit west of Toronto in Oakville. And a rather interesting and unusual event in that it is in tapestry. And there's a tapestry exhibition. And I guess the word tapestry can conjure up all sorts of ideas in somebody's head. But tapestry is very much art. And Francis Crowe is coming over from Roscommon to exhibit at the event in Oakville. And Francis is here to have a chat with us and tell us about it. Francis, thanks a million for coming along. Thanks very much for welcome. Tapestry, as I say, you know, a lot of us would see tapestry not necessarily as something artistic, but uh, I don't know where we classify it, but what you are doing is very much art. It is. Um, yeah, it's a craft-based art form, but um, a lot of the tapestry artists uh, develop their techniques and want to portray a message in their work not just weaving at a loom, but making a piece that hangs on a wall to say something about contemporary life. And that's what this exhibition will be very much about. So I, from what I could see of the list of exhibitors, you're the only Irish uh, artist right. attending. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So how, um, how did you get yourself noticed or how did you get in on this? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, well, I've always been involved in the arts since um, I went to the National College of Art and Design and um, it was there I picked up the skills in tapestry weaving. And then we moved to Roscommon and I got a job in the local secondary school, but continued on with my practice all through my life, developing it better. But then I took early retirement uh, eight years ago and I became fully immersed in the world of tapestry. So um, I began to make bigger pieces because I could see out in the world out there through social media that that's what was required rather than small work. Um, they really, in the big exhibitions, want work to be at least one and a half metres on both sides. Uh, so they're quite big pieces. So to make something like that, it could take a year of work. Very, very slow process. And um, my starting point in all of that was actually getting my work selected for a big exhibition in China. And that was where I met most of the big names that you see on the list there. So I was very lucky when Ishel Sura invited me to be part of this big exhibition in Toronto. So Francis, before you would move on to tapestry, and you'd say you always have been involved in a love of the arts, where was your love? Would, would it have been in painting or sketching? or What would yeah, you were both. doing previously? Yeah, I studied fine art painting in the National College of Art and Design in Dublin, and um, I think for most artists making tapestries, they have to have a background in drawing or painting as well to be able to get the image down on paper before you start to make it. Because obviously we come up with all our own ideas and blend our own colours. So it's like having a palette of paint on the shelf, but in actual fact it's the yarns that we mix together. So yeah, that's what I did first. And then in secondary school I taught um, pottery and painting and uh, graphic design as well as weaving. And had any of your... Uh, when you were doing any painting, had you exhibited or were you going to putting your stuff out there in that format? Oh, oh yeah. Um, when I moved to Roscommon in 1983, um, I formed a group with another few people in Roscommon called Working Artists Roscommon. So even in the early 90s, we were the only contemporary artists in the Midlands, really. 
exhibiting on a worldwide scale. We were invited to Germany, to Kassel several times, and we did a lot of exchange programmes with other artists in Europe and around the world in the 90s as well. Nice. But then I kind of branched out on my own to become more immersed in my own creativity. So the other one of the things you said there was the, a large piece could take 12 months. So yeah. you obviously would have to have another source of income. Yeah, um, if that's the problem with tapestries. It's very hard to sell them because of the time commitment, you know, and many of the larger pieces are thousands of euros to buy. So we often don't sell our work. It's a total commitment and love of the practice. Um, yeah, I I would have um, a lot of little jobs. Now, for example, tomorrow I go into a national school here locally in Elphin. Through the uh, Design and Crafts Council of Ireland, they bring artists and craft workers into schools to um, pass on skills, teach children. And with the Arts Council of Ireland as well, I do some cultural programmes. And that gives a very small income. Mm-hmm. But I also run courses here in my own workshop in Roscommon at mm-hmm. the weekends. So that brings in a small income as well. You have a small, a short promotional documentary video, which I've seen. And in it, uh, you're talking about a large piece of work that you work on that was inspired by the migrant crisis <laughs> that is occurring. Yeah. And I noticed in it that you were... Uh, translated some of your research from visiting um, the Famine Museum in Strokestown and the Canadian component that the Irish would have experienced. Yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah, I mean, a a few years ago I was watching the programmes on TV and news items on radio about the people who were crossing the Mediterranean Sea and then arriving into Europe and barricades being put up in Hungary and all through Europe, really, and now everybody seems to be blocking them in Greece as well. And I just felt, you know, for the people, and I didn't know what to do about it. So the only way I could express that emotion was by creating a piece of artwork. And then I worked with the Syrian refugees in Balahadreen. There's a refugee centre there in County Roscommon, uh, teaching them how to weave as well. And some of their stories inspired the work also, uh, the, the travel and the walking and the journey and the death on route and so on um, and that's the piece that will be shown in Oakville um, on the 16th it opens on the 16th so um, yes yeah, Strokestown as well then I just did some research into families that had left Strokestown because one side of the tapestry is about the famine the Irish famine and the museum in Strokestown is only 10 minutes drive from my house here so I would know it pretty well and the director there took me around and showed me um, different parts of um, the documentary style letters and stuff that they have there from the 1847s. So um, that inspired me. The Ward family were um, put out of the land there in Strokestown and the story about their journey uh, to Toronto. I was interested in hearing about that as well. Indeed. So when I, I, I'm sorry, I mentioned to you my daughter lived there for two years, so we went to visit her. And we went down to the Ireland Park mm-hmm. Centre there and I had a look at that and the sculptures. I was looking for their names to see if it was engraved on the big stone there. I didn't find them. But I go back again, you know, sometime to do more research there. And of course there is another park being uh, constructed in Toronto, Grasset Park, 
which yeah. is to honour the medical people who helped the Irish in 1847, not yeah. just in, in Toronto but all across Canada because uh, the Ireland Park Foundation, of course, felt that while the victims of the famine and uh, peop the ordinary people had died, that the medical community had uh, sacrificed themselves in helping yeah. the Irish at the time also. I heard about that, all right. Yeah, I must try and get to see that too, maybe this time. Indeed. Now, it's in mid-construction at the moment, and it'll be another while before completed. But certainly, yeah, it's a, an indication of the relationship between That's Ireland right. and uh, Toronto and Canada generally, because Grosse yeah. of course, was the, the uh, station where people were being uh, processed. Yeah. So... Um, uh, the exhibition itself then, uh, there's a long list of exhibitors coming from around the world. 36, I believe, yeah. Uh, Finland and Sweden, the USA, Morocco, Denmark, Canada, England, Hungary, Scotland, just to name a few, and myself from Ireland, yeah. Um, it's incredible how they pulled that group of people together. And I would imagine you're a very tight, sorry, I didn't think about this, but now that it's not a point. I would imagine you're a very tight-knit community. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> a good pun there. I might use that sometimes. Uh, yeah, I think we probably are. Um, because if there are not many that will weave that scale because of the commitment and time, you know, and the availability of the space in your studio. Uh, so uh, we would be a group, all right, from all around the world that get together for different events. Now, I'm only getting into it now, you know, to be honest with you. I had two um, pieces selected in China in 2016 and in 2018, and now this is the next big show for me. Right. So it's great. So what opportunities then would you have in Ireland to exhibit? Well, very few. So I've actually started... Um, the International Fibre Arts Festival in Roscommon two years ago. In 2016, I invited um, 10 Irish and four Scottish tapestry weavers to come together to exhibit in Roscommon. And that developed into what we called the International Fibre Arts Festival last year. I run it in connection with the Roscommon Lamb Festival and it's um, supported by Roscommon County Council. So we have great plans for the 2020 exhibition where I'll invite some of these artists as well to come and have roundtable discussions about the future of contemporary tapestry and to exhibit their work. So it's very exciting. Now I recall uh, as I well... Find you have to, sorry, I find you have to develop your own um, initiatives here in Ireland a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, I noticed sorry. from the video as well that you have out that uh, you try very much to use native Irish products? Yeah, materials I do, uh, as much as possible. Now, I always used to be able to w buy the warping cotton, which is what we use in the centre of the weaving in the construction of the warp uh, in Ireland, but I can't anymore, so I buy that in the UK. Um, other than that, then, I can buy my yarns in uh, Dixon's Carpet Factory in Uchtharad in County Galway by Connemara. Um, but then if I need to get special shades or special weights of wools, I also go back to a place called Weaver's Bazaar in England. That They've been my main sources. Years ago, I used to get local uh, fleeces from farmers here and spin my own wool. Mm -hmm. But that has had another year making of a piece, you know. So it just it becomes too slow when you're making your own yarns. 
I have a question which you probably don't expect you have the answer for, but if a piece is, you're saying, one metre by what, what would the dimension? Oh, well, my one is one metre by three metres. So in one metre by three metres, how much yarn have you in there? Mm, that is a good question, and I don't know, but it weighs um, three kilograms. So there's three kilograms of yarn in there. Okay. So that, I guess, answers it, yeah. Yeah, so depending on the length of a kilogram when it's stretched out, you're, you're <laughs> I suppose. Well, that's the weight. But in terms of the measurement of it, you see, I would just have every colour, shade, shade and um, weight in my collection. Yeah. So I pick the colours off the shelves. I don't think about it other than that. But it would probably get you to Strokes Town and back. Oh, it would. It would, yeah, definitely. It would. <laughs> I must lay it out along the road someday, and then I can answer that question. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but because, again, it's, it's such fine work, and there's yeah. so much thread goes into it, something like that. It's beyond imagination in many ways. Absolutely. Well, you see, they're all small little pieces of yarn, you know. It doesn't go end to end like a rug. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a discontinued line. That's what makes the tapestry. Right. That's what it has to be for an exhibition. And, and we all work in a style called the Gobelin style, which is the French style of weaving. In order to achieve um, clarity, you know, yeah. we now we're all very familiar with the pixels in cameras, whereas many years ago we weren't, and we all know about megapixels and all this kind of thing. And yeah. I was explaining to my wife that the old days when there was a photograph in the newspaper and it would get grainy if it was enlarged, yeah. What type of granularity do you work with? Well, we would call that ends per inch. Right. So when warp is going on, the finer you want the warp to be, the finer the warp needs to be and the closer together the warp threads need to be. So in that one that I'll be exhibiting, it is 10 warps per inch. So that's very close together, which means the weft threads have to also be very fine to fit in between the warps when I press it down. Now I've made work with four ends per inch and I'd use a really thick warping cotton for that and then I'd be able to use a thick yarn. So that weaving would go up very fast in right. comparison to the finer one. Right, and of course you need the finer one to, to achieve uh, features and things detail. like that. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. detail features because that's a, um, a narrative about people I have uh, figures in it so yeah I wanted to get the the outline of the figures in the weaving that's correct indeed so Francis it's been fascinating we should give the housekeeping details it's the premier yeah. international tam tapestry exhibition that Francis will be in Oakville for and it's running February 16th to March 9th and it's being right. held at the Queen Elizabeth Park Community and Cultural Centre uh, down in the county, uh, the uh, Country Heritage Park, which I remember is off Bronte. Uh, so if you're coming out on the GO train, you would go to the Bronte station, and it's quite close to there. Um, your own website and it's contact, uh, Francis? It's 5.30 p.m., yeah, on the 16th. Yep. So if anybody comes to it after listening to this, please come up and introduce yourself to me. I'd love to meet you. Indeed, yeah. The opening reception, of course, yeah, is the uh, 16th, and that's 5.30 to 7.30. Yep. And then yep. uh, the, exhibitors, the exhibition, I would imagine, is open most days, just what would be normal daytime yep. hours. 
I believe so, yeah. yeah. I don't have the opening times there now in front of me. No. So, uh, yeah. your own website, Francis? Yeah, www.francescrow.com. And, and you Facebook, you're there. out there as well? Facebook is Francis Crow Fibre Artist. Indeed. Facebook. And do you, um, I know you, you weave, but do you tweet? I, I don't tweet, but I'd be on Instagram as well. Okay. And Francis is in my Instagram page. I, I seem, I, I, I'll note to me anything I um, post on Facebook on my Francis Crow Fiber Artist page does get tweeted. But I, I didn't even know about that, to be honest with you. Excellent. Francis okay. Crow, it's been a pleasure chatting and very in interesting in every respect. And uh, I know you'll have a fantastic time when you get to Oakville, despite the weather. Uh, it could be quite cold. so. Uh, I believe so. And I'm staying with a great friend of mine who's also a tapestry weaver, Linda Four. She's uh, putting me up and looking after me. Fantastic. You're listening yeah. to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and we've been chatting with Francis Crow, who will be at the Premier International Tapestry Exhibition again in Oakville, February 16th to March 9th, with the opening reception on Saturday, February 16th, 5.30 to 7.30, and that's at the Queen Elizabeth Park Community and Cultural Centre down off Bronte. Francis, thanks a million. Thanks. Thank you very much.